Did you know there was a free five-part podcast series all about classroom management? In this series, learn how I went from using traditional classroom management strategies without a lot of success to becoming a behavior detective. Discover how I help children with root cause of their behavior issues instead of just addressing the behavior itself. If you want to take a listen to this new series, just check the show notes. You're listening to the Lovely Preschool Teachers Podcast, the podcast for quick, actionable ideas and tips to help you up your confidence and joy in educating little learners. I'm your host, Ashley Rives. Let's get to the show. Hello, and welcome back to the Lovely Preschool Teachers Podcast. You're listening to episode 21, Things to Do Before Teaching Name Writing. For me, teaching children to write their names is such a rewarding process because you can see the progression right before your eyes, how they started out maybe not even knowing what their letter looked like going to writing their full name. It's very rewarding for teachers and for children alike. But sometimes with that excitement, we as teachers, we get too excited. We jump right into teaching our three and four-year-olds how to write their name After all, it's an important thing that they're going to need for kindergarten, right? And we mean well, but by jumping right into name writing, we are making the assumption that the little fingers that belong to those cute little three and four-year-olds are ready for name writing because some fingers might be ready for this, but some might not. So take a minute and pretend with me. Let's say all day you had to write with one of those huge pencils you know, the ones that you can win at the carnival and it comes with its own sharpener because it's like way too big to fit in any of the regular sharpeners. Yeah, those. So any notes you write or observations you make, you're going to have to use this ridiculously large pencil. As I'm sure you can imagine after a couple of note-taking sessions, what will happen to your arms and wrists and fingers? Will they feel fatigued or sore? How might you feel? You're going to be frustrated. You're going to be ready to throw that ginormous pencil across the room and grab something that is more functional for you, right? That's probably what's going to happen. And why did writing with that stupidly large pencil suck so bad? Well, we're going to get into that because that is how children feel when we give them things that are too big for their hands. If you stop and think about it, when one of your littles comes up and puts their hand in yours, how much smaller it feels. Just take a moment to really look at the difference in size. And then it makes sense to us that, you know, that doesn't work for them. The things that we use for our full-sized adult hands when we write isn't necessarily going to feel comfortable to our little people who have much smaller hands. It's also important to note that when we were using that ginormous pencil in that pretend scenario there, our muscles weren't ready for it. We've only used normal adult-sized utensils. So when taxed with that heavy, bulky pencil, our muscles would fatigue faster. We hadn't been building up those muscles or practicing using those pencils. So really, you know, in the end, we would rather just donate it to a giant. But what you experience with the large pencil is exactly the feeling that some children might feel when they first start using writing utensils. If they've never used one before or have not built up the necessary muscles needed to operate a pencil effectively, there's going to be that frustration, the fatigue, and you know possibly the tears, which none of us want. And so what is a teacher to do, right? 
Well, first and foremost, I think it's incredibly important to recognize that each child is going to be on their own path when it comes to writing, handwriting, name writing, basically all learning. But right here, we're talking just about name writing. So before you explicitly teach any name writing or letter formation, make sure that child that you're working with is ready. And what does ready look like? That's what we're going to be talking about today. We are going to start in the realm of fine motor and look at five different things that you can look for to make sure the child you're working with when you're working on name writing is ready. Number one, can the child cross his or her midline? So see if that child can reach their right hand to their left foot. Can he or she cross the invisible vertical midline that runs down our bodies from our heads down? Why is this midline stuff important for writing? Well, we want that child's left and right hemispheres of the brain to communicate effectively. This is needed because generally we start writing on the left-hand side of the paper and we move towards the right. So at some point, the child will have to cross their midline with their arm, hand, and eyes to travel across the paper. Also, we do a lot of crossing the midline when we create certain letters like a T or an X. Number two, hand division. While there are several functional grasps when writing, when we grasp a writing utensil, our fingers all have different positions and tasks. In the dynamic tripod grasp, which we traditionally think of as the pincher grasp, our pointer, middle finger, and thumb are the active fingers, while our ring finger and our pinky fingers are supporting those other fingers. So when we're looking at hand division, we're wondering if children can manipulate objects using only the thumb, pointer, and middle finger. Because if they can use just those three fingers and isolate those three fingers, then you know that they are starting down that path to being able to use that grasp when writing. Otherwise, they may still be using whole hands to pick up things, and we aren't seeing that hand division yet. The third thing to look at in the fine motor realm is in-hand manipulation. So the ability to pick up and use an object using only one hand. We do this all the time. We pick up a pencil and move it around in our hand when we get ready to write. We don't use both of our hands generally. So we can look for three different types of in-hand manipulation, translation, shift, and rotation. So translation would be example, starting with three beads tucked in your palm and then moving one bead to the fingers in order to string them on yarn. Doing this with children, putting it in their palm, having them close it up, and then asking them to put one bead on the string is very interesting to watch their little fingers at at work. The shift example for this, moving a pin into a position to write with after picking it up. So the pin is on the table, we pick it up and we move it around until it's in the spot in our hand that we need it for when we write. And rotation is flipping that pencil over with one hand in order to use the eraser. So lots of in-hand manipulation, lots of muscles working there for children to be able to actually use that writing tinsel utensil effectively. Another thing that we need to observe before we start working on actually physically writing is a child's preference on the hand that they use. So hand dominance, the age range in which children develop hand dominance really varies, but 
we should see our children developing a preference by age five. So to see if a child has developed a dominant hand, try handing him or her an object right at their midline. Don't do it to the left, don't do it to the right, right at the midline and see which hand reaches for it. Document and test this several times and then just really observe. Does a child reach for something on their left side with their right hand or vice versa? Are they kind of crossing that midline with that dominant hand? Is something we really need to pay attention to because we don't want, you know, to start down this path of, of handwriting and assuming we know which hand is the child's dominant hand and then them feeling that frustration because it doesn't feel comfortable and it feels hard. The last thing in the fine motor realm that we want to look at when we're seeing if children are ready for name writing are making some pre-writing strokes. So strokes that most letters and numbers and early drawings consist of. Many times these are vertical lines, horizontal lines, circles, um, a cross, a square, a diagonal line, both ways. So can the child produce these pre-writing strokes? Because these strokes should come before traditional letter or name writing. Okay, so we've taken a look at if those little hands are ready for actual writing and using that writing utensil. Now let's go to some pre-name writing skills. So before children learn to write their name, they first need to be able to do these four things. Number one, recognize their name. So can the child find his or her name when mixed in with other written names? You know, sometimes if two names start with the same beginning letter, this can be confusing, but we want them to be able to recognize their name in entirety compared with those that might be similar. Number two, orally spelling their name. Can the child spell their name orally while pointing to the letters in his or her name? So Max would say M-A-X. Now, why is this important? Because when we're teaching them name writing, we are talking about individual letters and we want them to understand what they look like so they can help visualize them in their brain and before they even start making them on the paper. Number three, matching. Can the child match individual letters in his or her name to the written form of the name? Now, this is just another step for children to really become aware of the letter itself, how it's positioned, you know, is it backwards, upside down, things like that. Really seeing that letter multiple times so that it makes more sense when they're going to write it. And number four, construct. Can a child construct individual letters to form his or her name correctly? Now, when we see children beginning to put their name together, maybe um, using different letters um, that you have written on a sentence strip and cut apart, or even using magnetic letters, it's important to look and see if they are, you know, flipping them upside down or have them backwards or things of that nature, because then we want to go back to step three of matching and make sure they're really seeing that name written the way it's supposed to be right there in front of them. And they fully understand that. Okay. So if the child you're working with has made it this far through the list of to do's, then it's time that you can do some explicit teaching. Some things just need to be taught about writing and aren't always necessarily picked up just by, you know, having that pencil in hand or, you know, doing other fine motor tasks. So some things we do need to be more mindful about when we teach them. First up, pencil graphs. Sometimes it has to be taught. 
And if you haven't heard of Dr. Marion Gibbs from right out of the box, check her out. She has some great information on sleeping fingers and busy fingers, which really help that traditional tripod grasp. But there are three types of grasps that are considered functional, which means, you know, that they're okay. They, they work. That's dynamic, where you're using tips of the thumb index middle to hold the pencil and the body of the pencil rests between the thumb and the index finger. So try dynamic tripod, try using three fingers. So quadrupod is the tips of the thumb index middle and ring to hold the pencil and the body of the pencil rests between the thumb and the index. So that quad is using four. So that is technically a functional grasp. And then the adapted tripod. So tips of thumb, index, middle, hold the pencil, but the body of the pencil rests between the index and middle fingers. And I actually will write like this sometimes when my hand is getting tired. So all this to say, be aware of a child's grasp and that it doesn't always necessarily have to be that traditional grasp. We can have other grasps that work just as well that are functional and also being aware that sometimes we do need to help children figure this out with their fingers if they're showing all those other signs of being ready for writing and using writing utensils. Another thing we may need to intentionally teach is top to bottom, teaching children that we start letters at the top and then move to the bottom. Handwriting Without Tears actually has this awesome song called Where Do You Start Your Letters? And we sing it constantly because it's very catchy and it helps my children remember that we start our letters at the top and not at the bottom. In addition to top and bottom, we may need to teach them left to right, teaching children that we start writing on the left side and moving to the right. This isn't always innate. And so sometimes this is something that we do need to point out to them. The last is paper stability. So teaching that we use our non-dominant hand to hold the paper stable while writing. Sometimes this doesn't even occur to them to use that hand or to turn that paper and make that paper more comfortable for them. So we can teach them that as well. So once we've really got a feel of whether a child is ready to start name writing, going through all these different kind of little checklists We can start that writing, but we have to remember that there's definitely a progression. So next episode is going to be all about some tips for teaching name writing. It's important to be sure that children in our class are ready for name writing, because if we don't ensure that, the experience of learning to write names could be very frustrating. And who wants to keep practicing and doing something that is so frustrating? And that is no way to build a love for handwriting. Okay, that was a lot. And if you would like a printout of all the things to do before teaching name writing in one handy little form, I've got you. I needed this too. It was a lot of information, a lot of things to keep track of. So you can download a copy of the Roadmap to Handwriting free at the show notes. So just head to www.lovelycommotion.com slash episode 21. I will talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoy this podcast, please share it with a friend. This helps me spread the word and help more preschool teachers just like you. Keep being lovely.